Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Real Film Nerds Podcast. My name is Matt Hinshaw. I am your host, my second host, or co-host, I think co-host is probably the appropriate term, for episode 136, The Joker, my good buddy, Mysterious Mike Talent. Hey, everybody. Is it called The Joker, or is it just called Joker? You know, it's just Joker, but it seems weird without saying The Joker. Okay. All right. That's cool. So, The Joker 2019. Yeah, well, Joker 2019 directed by a comedy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 136. Got that in there, too. Did I miss anything? No, no, no. You're you're doing good. You're doing good. Do right. do do you want to start off with any controversy stuff, or do you just want to go into some of the 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 normal stuff, and then we'll get into that? I was gonna say I think we could grow into the controversies, which uh, we discussed a little bit on our last episode, episode one hundred thirty five, legacy cast of the Rock. It's definitely a hell of a lot more pronounced. Since the movie is out, people have seen it. So let's get into that after you go ahead and give us the rundown for 2019's Joker. All right. So uh, this was uh, directed by Todd Phillips, uh, written by Todd Phillips and Scott Silver, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, uh, Zazia Betts. Oh, man. I... It's... Zazzy Beats. Zazzy Beats. And uh, she's in Deadpool 2, which we reviewed. I, 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 I'm I, sorry. No, it's all good, man. She's also uh, one of my favorite actors in a little show on FX done by Donald Glover called Atlanta. I really love that show. If you are not watching that show, it's there's not a new season yet. But you need to catch up. It is a really, really good show. All right. Now, I haven't seen Atlanta, and you've told me before, so I've just been slacking. Yeah, it's really smart and really funny. Okay, it's also uh, starring Francis Conroy, and it's a movie about a gritty character study of Arthur Fleck, a man disregarded by society. That's like the lightest description of this film ever. Yeah, I could go with some other ones. You want, you want me to read another one? No, nah, man. We're all good. That, the other ones are probably like novels, so. It's true. They kind of are a little long. Okay, Mike. Well, thanks for the rundown. And let's go ahead and do this. I'm going to have you start out talking about it. Now, fair warning, everybody. Mike and I are going to do our best not to spoil it before we get to the spoiler section. But we're putting it out there. If we get a spoil some of it, we apologize right off the top. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I'm going to try my best not to dis- to spoil it. Uh, what I will say is uh, this was a really good but really dark drama. And I'm not entirely sure what all this controversy is about. But I'm not going to talk about that stuff quite yet. But it's just a very dark movie um, 
just kind of showing someone in a downward spiral that just continues to spiral, I guess. I think there's a little bit more to it than that, but yes, that's a good starting point. I agree, it is one of the darkest films I've ever seen in my entire life. Everyone keeps making this comparison, and it is a very fair comparison, and it is a very true comparison. It is very Martin Scorsese-esque, especially his film Taxi Driver. It really, really, really comes off a lot like Taxi Driver. But I think it is a very well-done film. Is it a movie about the Joker? I'd say no. Is it a movie about the DC Universe? I would say no. I would say it's more about the downfall of this man, Arthur Fleck, and mental illness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So, all right. Well, I actually did write some notes. Believe oh, it or not. Oh, oh, oh okay. Let, let's let's go to the notes before you forget to talk about them. Well, I, I, I got them in my hand. I'm going to try and say these without being too spoilery. But I feel that mental illness is one of the biggest factors in this film. It also shows you that the system failed him. Specifically parts where he's trying to get treatment for his mental illness because he knows he's messed up and then they pretty much shutter his programs i guess that's kind of spoilery yeah that was that was uh yeah so yeah i've tried i tried not to it's hard it's hard all right (laughs) and then i also feel that humanity also failed him Income equality was a definite huge part in this film. Now, it's not so much on Arthur Fleck's story. It's more of the story overall of what's going on in Gotham. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, about it that I can talk about without spoiling it on my notes. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, that's about it. Yeah, that, that's that's about right. Um there's, uh, there was also a lot of talk about how violent this this uh, movie was, and uh, there are acts of violence in this movie, but I didn't feel like they were anything, uh, I mean, this might sound terrible, but out of normal, out of the normal for movies, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe some of the way that some of the stuff was portrayed... But even then, I don't know. There's only one scene where I was like, oh, people aren't going to like that one. But yeah, other than that, it I don't know. I just didn't think it was... Um, I don't think it was crazy violent. I don't know. Matt, what do you think? No, I don't think it was any more violent than other films that are currently in the theater that go by the name of Rambo. Oh, yeah, as uh someone who also watched that movie. Uh yeah, that's crazy violent and there's something at the end of that movie that is pretty much uh, hard to believe that they even tried to do it and it's like almost like a cartoon. It's so nuts. So yeah, 
But uh, Rambo's a good guy. Is that is that what it is? Is we can't see bad guys doing bad things. Only good guys can do bad things. And that's okay. You might be onto something there. But I think it's a little bit more than that. I think it has to do with... This guy is more of a normal person. He's not like Rambo, who's this vet that's this hulked out giant dude. This is a guy that's practically starving to death, trying to do the right thing, raising his mom, and he just snaps. Honestly, I feel that people think this is so extremely violent because it's more realistic than most violent films. It's not... Avengers. It's not not that Avengers are really violent. I mean, they don't show blood, but yeah, they're slaughtering aliens in Endgame with no remorse, you know. And here, there's literally what like he kills what like five, six people, I think tops. Uh, I don't even think it's that high. I think it's the like you're getting to. I think it's the realism of the atmosphere. Like it was very like. Oh, that could be me. Right, yeah. It's just way more way more realistic than other films. And it's not a quote-unquote superhero film, or it's not a quote-unquote action film. It is a straight-up crime drama, and it is a very good one, if you ask me. It is crazy, crazy freaking dark, though. I mean, crazy dark. If If you even have a cusp of mental illness, do not go see this movie. <laughs> just don't yeah i think i read some reports talking about how people were walking out because it was too disturbing for them or something but at the same time i have a hard time believing that there wasn't people just doing that while reporters were there kind of thing like i don't know well i don't know when you went and saw it mike but i saw it on opening night nice uh because you're a crazy person? No, nah, I went on Thursday. And they. what's interesting, I don't know if this was because of the film or what, but our two theaters, Harkins had multiple, multiple showings. They knew it was going to be a big hit. And so they had a 10 o'clock, a 9 o'clock, a 7 o'clock, a 6 o'clock, I think a 4 o'clock, and whatever else. They had a bunch of showings. They were showing it in, I think, at least two theaters. At Picture Show, they literally only had two showings. They had a 4 o'clock and a 7 o'clock, and that was it. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to Harkins. So I don't know how your experience was when you went to the theater. It didn't bother me, but it showed me how today you can't make any threats in any way, shape, or form in today's society because it just gets overblown. And I hate to say rightfully so, because we've learned our lesson. When people make threats and we don't do anything about it as far as authorities are concerned, then sometimes it does actually happen. So when I walked into Harkins, there were multiple police officers in the lobby area just kind of hanging out, talking on their cell phone, you know, usual shit. Got my drink, you know, dollar fifty. You know, souvenir cup, gotta love that, man. I try not to drink soda like at all, but it's hard not to when it's a dollar fifty and I want something to drink, especially for a two hour long movie. So it's I true, went in. Man. It's true, it's a good deal. Yeah, it is. It really is. Now the popcorn thing that's non existent anymore. I don't know if you know that, but 
we don't need to talk about that. Okay. No, no. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll catch up with that later. Not on the pod. Yeah, it's just too off topic. So I walked in the theater. There are three more police officers in the theater and two managers. And this was 20 minutes before it started because I figured it was going to be packed. So I wanted to get a decent seat. And luckily it wasn't packed. It was... I would say probably 50%, 60% full when I showed up. And there was a few people that tricked, trickled in here and there. But for the most part, that was the majority of the crowd. I'm not sure if you did this. Spoilers. Uh, Mike used to work at Harkins, people. <laughs> that's a spoiler. Oh, oh, yeah, man. That's a spoiler. All right. I don't know Go if ahead. you ever used to have to do this, Mike, but our the manager of the Harkins um, killed the sound, turned up the house lights, and talked for a few minutes before the film started, and then she went back to the side and stood there, and the preview started rolling. Well, um, the managers eventually, probably about five minutes into the film, after it started, not the previews, after the actual film started, walked out. The police officers stayed in the theater the whole time. Uh, what did they say during your announcement, or can you not Nothing say? Nothing much. She was just saying, um, you know, we know this is a, you know, a big-time film, uh, we don't want any of you going out the exits. Please exit out the front door when you came in. Um, she didn't say anything too much more than that. She said, uh, I like this. I love this. They make it a real point, especially when they talk before the f- showings on stuff like this. They make it a real point that they're like, please turn off your phones. We really don't want you shining a light. It really upsets everyone else. And she said it like three or four times. But it was mostly, please don't go out the other exits. We want you to go out the main exit. And I think that was security concerns kind of thing. Oh, okay. And, you know, she said it's violent and, you know, all that other stuff. But she didn't really go too over the top. She wasn't like, oh, this is disturbing and, you know, all that. She was just like, you know, it is a violent film. It is a rated R film. If you, you know, don't like the film or whatever, you're always welcome to come and we'll get you a ticket for another film and all that stuff. You know, that kind of shit. Oh, okay. All right. So anyways, it was just kind of interesting how the police officers were in there the whole time. Now, granted, that's because of the threats. And I don't know where that threat started, but I think it was probably some bullshit someone did on Facebook or some other social media and whatever. But then I started thinking about it. You know, the only shooting that ever took place at a movie theater happened in 2012 in Colorado with the release of The Dark Knight. And that technically was the last Batman film that came out. There was Batman versus Superman, but everybody thought that was kind of a joke. Well, well no, there was Dark Man uh, uh Batman Rises or whatever, right? The no, I believe that's the the last one. Um the last one in the Dark Knight trilogy. Sorry, I got that wrong was 2012 the dark knight rises not the dark knight sorry okay the dark knight with Heath Heath ledger came out in 2008 so it was the dark knight rises was when the shooting took place and so we haven't had a batman film where the main or a batman related film where it's like this since 2012 so if there it was going to be a copycat you know, kind of thing. It would be at a film like this. So I guess the 
threats were justified. I mean, of course they were justified if people were making them, even if they were just being assholes. Yeah. But it's just, it's kind of interesting to think about that, that it's, you know, that's now Batman is now tied to mass shootings. Now, I don't want to get political about mass shootings. That's not really our place. You know, you want to, everybody has their opinions on it, whatever. I'm just saying it's an interesting coincidence that Batman is now getting tied to mass shootings in the U.S. So, anyways, how was uh, how was your experience when you and watched it at your theater, Mike? Um, it was fine. Uh, I went on uh, Friday morning. Uh, I tend to go to the movies in the morning because it's uh, less crowded and uh, there's less of a chance for someone to do anything. Uh, the only thing that was... Uh, a little, I mean, this isn't too odd for this theater on a Friday morning. Uh, they have a group of uh, mentally challenged people that come and watch movies every Friday at this theater. Uh, and they watch that movie. Um, wow. So. Dude, seriously? <laughs> like, that yeah. just seems like a massive red flag to me. Yeah, I don't know. I imagine it's because their handlers wanted to go, but. Um, still dude, that's just, that's kind of irresponsible. I don't know. They were in Rambo last week. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, abominable is out there. They could have gone to that or Downton Abbey. Yeah, they could have, uh, I, I, I don't know. But, um, so there's a couple weird outbursts in the movie, but, um, I disregarded those cause I understood the situation. Um, other than that, no, it was uh, my theater is fairly full, uh, but it wasn't packed, and uh, we had no um, we had no authority presence and no theater managers and no announcement. So I guess you got all the uh, the fun stuff. Well, uh, I didn't read the full story. I just read the headlines and a couple paragraphs. There was a story that came out in the Arizona Republic that harkens across the board added extra security and police officers just for this film for the opening weekend. So it was not just the opening night here in Arizona, at least. Okay. Yeah. And uh, for our listeners that are outside of Arizona, Harkins is an Arizona based chain that I believe has a couple theaters in California and Texas, maybe some in Colorado, but mostly Arizona. Yeah. The majority of the chain is Arizona. It is a family owned chain. It comes off as a big giant chain like AMC, but it is not. It is actually a very small chain. Yes. And as Matt has said earlier, I did work there for several years. So, yep. Anyway. And now you can't have a t shirt where you get free popcorn. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. Damn it. Okay. So, Mike, let's do it. I want, we need to get to spoilers. Because I figured this was going to be a long one, but it is a controversial film. And again, in my opinion, I think it was a very good film. How does 2019's Joker relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? All right, so uh, I figured this would be kind of easy, um, but it was actually easier than I thought it was going to be. One of the producers for the Joker was uh, Bradley Cooper from um, 
Guardians of the Galaxy as a Rocket, and he's also in uh, Avengers Endgame and Avengers uh, Infinity War. So, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yep, Todd Phillips and Bradley Cooper have been working together quite a bit. I believe they also both worked on... Great, of course. I'm now drawing a freaking blank in my head. It was... um. Oh, last year. Great. Now I'm drawing a freaking blank. The the uh, Lady um, Gaga movie? Yes, the Lady Gaga movie. Yes, I'm forgetting the freaking name of it. Um. God, I hate getting old. Uh, it's oh, what is it called? Dang it, Matt! I know, right? I hate getting old. A Star Is Born. There you go. 2019, because this is like the third version of A Star is Born. Right. So... Or 2018. 2018. Yeah, 2018. So I don't know if Todd Phillips and Bradley Cooper are like good, good friends, but I'm sure they're better than average because, you know, Todd Phillips did direct them in all three of the uh, Hangover films, because that's one thing that's really, really interesting. And I don't know if you saw the story about this. I didn't read it. I just saw a headline. But Todd Phillips came out basically saying he can't do comedies anymore because of the PC culture today. And so that's why he decided to do a drama with Joker. Oh, no, I didn't see that. But, uh, I mean, for sure, the uh, PC uh, culture has restricted a lot of things. There's a lot of times where I'm watching older movies. I'm like, there's no way they could do that now. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, anyways, I I like Todd Phillips as a director and a writer. I think his comedies were incredible. I I mean, you oh, know, Hangover, man, Hangover is like one of my favorite. Hangover, old uh, school, uh, old school, man. Yeah, he has a lot of good ones. Uh, even War- and Hutch, and even War Dogs, War Dogs was. Yeah. Uh, I guess it wasn't really a comedy, but man, it, it was pretty good. Yeah, no, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It was, uh, I'd say it was like, um, probably like his, uh, dipping his toe in the drama waters was probably War Dogs, his first time kind of getting into that. Yeah. And like Road Trip, Matt, remember? I oh, mean, yeah. Tom Green, all that. Wow. Hilarious. Those are just some really great, great, great comedies. But isn't it fascinating? The line between comedy and drama is so close. Like, a lot of people, comedy directors, actors, writers, can go and do drama, but you don't really hear a whole lot of drama guys going to do comedy. It's it's very fascinating how that works. I I, I don't know if that's because you got to dig so deep in darkness for a lot of comedic things or what. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but you're right. A lot of uh, very good comedians can be extremely great drama actors. Uh, one that comes to mind always for me is uh, Robin Williams was amazing in his drama roles. Yeah, he was. He really, really was. But the guy was hilarious all the time as well. So it's like, I, it's, it's weird. Well, and there's one recently now. Again, see, I need to start writing this stuff down, but it just comes off the top of my head. Um, Ozarks, uh, Jason Bateman. Oh, okay. Known I haven't actually comedy. watched that, yeah. Oh, you haven't watched Ozarks? No, man. Oh, yes. dude. There's, there's a lot of things that got to watch, man. Oh, I'm it's behind. good. Because Jason Bateman stars in it. 
Um, he's written some of it and he's directed some of it. He actually won an award for directing some of uh, a few episodes at the Emmys recently. Jason Bateman is really known for his comedy, but here he is in drama, just killing it. Okay. I'll direct us back on topic. Mike, uh, go ahead. Let's go ahead and spoil Joker 2019. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Matt, um, I want to address the violence thing a little bit, uh, before we get into the mental illness thing, cause that'll be big. Uh, there's not that many, uh, acts of violence in this movie. Uh, there's kind of like, there's some confrontations. Uh, there's a point where he gets kind of, uh, jumped by some teenagers and then, and then there's a, a another scene that almost mimics uh, with that where he's getting jumped again, kind of on the subway and he kind of loses it. And he defends himself. So that one's not even... I mean, several people don't do well, and the last guy he kind of chases down. But anyway, it, you know, that's not that bad. But it's... After that, you can kind of see his his more... Well, I mean, it's been building uh, up until that point in the movie, but... Everything just keeps getting worse in his life, and I don't know. You somewhat empathize for him, but at the same time, he's crazy. Like, and he kind of knows he's crazy because he was getting he was getting help for it, and then it shuts down. Right? And yeah, that was a that was a very big political statement to all the uh, the mental illness, and and we do we do have a mental illness problem i think a lot of times nothing's covered and uh insurance is basically like yeah we don't care right that's one thing that i think also why this movie's making so many headlines is that the social commentary it's making a lot of people are agreeing with and i think the mass media doesn't like that um public mass shootings it's clearly pointing that out and i don't think it's glorifying it i think it's doing the exact opposite mental illness it's pointing that out especially when it goes untreated and what could happen when society and the system push a person to the brink yeah but you're right um the you know the kids beating the shit out of them wasn't that big of a deal but that was the start of the downhill slide well, no, it started before that. It probably started when he was in the locker room and everyone was, you know, jabbing him and poking fun of him and stuff. And then it just got worse. But the three uh, Wall Street guys that he lit up, that that goes to the uh, rich versus poor, uh, the entitled, the 1%, all that kind of shit. But you're right. When he shoots him, it's more of self-defense except for the last guy. And I think the reason why he chased and gunned down the last guy was basically no witnesses because there was no one in that subway. There was no one on the train. He, nobody knew who the hell they, that did it. Yeah, that that's probably what it was. But at the same time, I, you know, he was, he, he, I'm sure he was very hyped up and he was angry and uh, anyway, it, it doesn't matter. But, uh, that was, uh, 
a really interesting scene. And then there's another scene that's quite a bit later in the film, and it also takes place in the subway. And I could see a lot of people being upset with how that went down. Oh, when the uh, mob was beating the shit out of the police officers? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty pretty messed up. But that was... That's, you know, that uh, goes back to the old saying, you know, a person is smart, but crowds are stupid and violent oh so, yeah like the the mob uh once the mob uh mob mentality I, yeah mentality like starts going you just you get lost in it kind right. of right um i don't know i don't know how many times you've been in uh riots or protests or anything like that mike i've been in a handful throughout the years of my former profession and it's uh it's a thing i mean normal people that just you know, would just walk on by and not give a shit. You know, they're picking up launchers and throwing them through store windows and stuff. It's just this mob mentality of pure chaos and I can get away with it kind of thing. It's uh it's a little scary. It really yeah. is. Yeah, I, I don't think I've had any experience with it, but uh, I I can totally see it's it's something to do with the energy and everyone's just feeling uh I mean in in the movie there's this slow burn of uh, how everything's really bad in the economy and nothing's getting any better, but the, the rich keep getting richer and, uh, you know, the income equality stuff is kind of in the background in this movie. And, uh, right. It's, it's a background tool for sure. Yeah. And so, uh, people were frustrated and he, they used his, um, outburst against the wall street guys as a a linchpin or a symbol of of this new movement even though he it was pretty much just self-defense but uh people kind of spun it into their own way and uh yeah kind of kind of interesting and then he kind of bought into it which is really weird so he kind of jumped on his own it was it was different. It was different for sure. Just my thoughts. It might not be right. I don't know. I've only seen the film once, but I feel like when he started buying into it was after he stopped getting help or couldn't get help anymore and stopped taking medications and things like that. Then the psychosis started setting in, and him seeing it on the media and the media starting to be like, "Oh, well, it's." the rich versus poor and all that stuff. Then he's like, yeah, I am a hero kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's part of it. I think, I mean, there was a lot of things going on in in the movie, but, um, the stuff, some of his interactions with his mom didn't help. Um, Oh gosh, dude, that clearly was a super, super breaking point. Like that truly was the one that pushed it over the edge. And then, um, the uh, the video of him at stand up comic com- uh, comedian like I almost thought he didn't really do it, and then they sh- like then he actually went and did a stand up because co- he he was telling people throughout the movie, uh, spoiler alert that he was a stand up comic, and then when he went and did his material I was it oh it was like painful to watch dude that was like. Well, and I can dive a little bit into this based on kind of the DC Batman universe world. I'm not much of a DC guy, but I have read a few of the stories. Um, I know a little bit about it. 
There is a graphic novel that came out several years ago. I think it was done by Frank Miller. Um, I don't want to type, so I'm not going to look it up. I think it was done by Frank Miller. Not 100% on that. But it's called The Killing Joke. And in it, it's kind of an origin story of Joker, much like this film. And I feel this film took extremely loose, extremely loose uh, tones from that graphic novel for this. Because in there, the the guy that becomes Joker is a stand-up comedian. And basically, his world starts crumbling around him. And his stand-up is really bad. And people make fun of him openly when he's doing it. So a lot of that from the killing joke parallels this film. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, that was, it, it, you know, like when he was talking to his counselor about his jokes and then he read some of them and you're like, what the, they were, they were awful. And then he actually went and said some of the things and you're like, oh man. Well, now I feel terrible. It was not Frank Miller. It was Alan Moore. I should have known that. Ugh. Oh, damn it. Sorry, Matt. Alan Moore uh, is famously known for The Watchmen. Oh, okay. So, um, I apparently the controversy has done nothing but bring this movie fame and fortune, though, because uh, it won the box office, and I think it made $92 million this weekend. Uh, right now I'm on box office mojo and it's saying 93.5. All right. 93.5. I was close, man. Dude, you were real close. And again, it could just be cause it just updated not long ago, but coming in at a very distant second place is abominable with 12 million. Granted it wasn't their opening weekend, but still. And then Downton Abbey came in at third. Nice. Nice. Everybody's just trying to watch what the the good British stories are now before Brexit, so that's fine. <laughs> All right, so another interesting one, and I'll also include my gripe and one of the biggest issues I had with this film, were DC-related things. I really liked how Thomas Wayne in this film was not glorified like he has been in the comic books and in the previous Batman films of, you know, new and old where Thomas Wayne is always seen as this awesome philanthropist. He does all these great things and he was literally gunned down for like no reason in the streets. Well, that does happen in this film. He is gunned down, which, you know, didn't had no justification behind it. But Thomas Wayne in this movie is not like this great, awesome good guy i mean he's not a bad guy but he is manipulative he is a lot more of what you would think of a business tycoon that's trying to get his way to the top you know like he's trying to push to run for mayor i think is it was and how he's gonna fix everything with his money and all this other crap and it was uh it was an interesting take on thomas wayne and i thought it was uh great i really do yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I thought that lent to the story, uh, especially with the way everyone was frustrated and stuff with the kind of rumblings in the background that are going on. So I thought it fit really well in into the, the story. I really, really enjoyed how they did it because they have 
I've never seen anyone else really do that about him. He's always just been so great. You're right. He was always the perfect guy. Right, exactly. He was always, oh, look, you know, the, we created Batman because his father was killed and he was this great man. And imagine what Bruce Wayne would have been if we wouldn't have killed his father and all this blah, blah, blah kind of thing. Gets to my second point. Yeah. I really just, I mean, how many freaking times do we have to see Thomas and Martha Wayne get killed in front of Bruce? I really thought they were not going to do that in this movie. I liked how they did it in this movie, how it was going on when the riots and the chaos was happening. It wasn't just a random scene like most of the Batman films. But, I mean, holy crap. We can't even have a Batman film that does not make sure and remind us, hey, this is why Batman exists, because his parents were gunned down in front of him. It's like, really? I mean, come on. We don't need it. We all know. Yes, we do know, Matt. But I think this movie was trying to get to the point that society, I guess, deep down... Nature versus nurture, there's a lot to the nurturing on how people become. So, in the the case of the Joker, well, he didn't get really nurtured at all. Really just got shit on a lot. And anyway, and but for Bruce, who sees his parents go down, uh, get murdered in front of him, that's like a, a changing point in his life. And that affects the way that he's going to make all of his decisions. And then he's going to grow up to be kind of the opposite of the Joker. I think that's what they were trying to get. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too hard into that. No, but. that's exactly what it is. But do we really need it again? That's that's my point. Do we really need it explained again? But I do applaud the way they did it. It's every other film. It's always just been, oh, well, they got mugged outside of a movie theater. In this one, this was just a crazy person that was part of this chaotic riot that was going on and just, oh, well, there's Thomas Wayne. Let's go shoot him because he's an asshole kind of thing. He's part of the 1% and they go and light him up. I kind of, I, I liked how they did it and how they incorporated it with the story, but I just don't like that we had to see it again and that we had to have it in another freaking Batman movie. Well, it's not really a Batman movie. It's a Joker movie that has Batman L. Right, right. right. Tie-ins. You're right. You're right. You're right. I don't know. That was seriously um, pretty much the only thing that I really did not like about this film. Do you think that was uh, fan service a little bit for all the people that love the Batman series? There's a little bit of it in it? Probably. I mean, there's a lot of fan service in this movie. But, uh, uh, you know, it's definitely, I would say definitely it's in there just to be like, oh, well, look, you know, if we want to do a sequel, we can do a sequel and we'll have a Batman and we'll have a Joaquin Joker versus Batman kind of thing. So, I don't know. Okay. But overall, I thought this movie was freaking incredible. The cinematography was amazing. It is such a beautiful movie. I mean, this film is literally like taking place in a garbage protest strike thing where garbage is piling up everywhere and it's some of the prettiest damn garbage you'll ever see yeah no it was the cinematography was really well done uh that was awesome i like the score because it just kind of is super it just helps with i guess the downward spiral um 
I don't know. It, 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 this was a really well-made movie, and hopefully it'll get nominated for some stuff, uh, especially Joaquin Phoenix. Man, this is uh, some of the best stuff I've seen since... Uh, like, I love Gladiator. He was such an awesome bad guy in that. I I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping maybe he'll get a nomination, because he didn't get anything for Gladiator. Which was so. depressing, because... I was first introduced to Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator. I'm pretty sure that was the first time I saw his acting. And he was such a good villain. Like, I hated him after that movie. Like, I hated him as, like, a person after that movie. I was like, God, that guy's a dick. Turns out, no, he's just a really, really good actor. Really good. So, if he does not get nominated and win Best Actor this year for this role, I'm going to be upset because it is that good he is that good yeah we'll have to see man i'm i'm uh cautiously optimistic but i feel like they don't the academy doesn't like comic book movies no they do not not at all and i don't think they also like controversy either but they do like really dark movies because taxi driver was nominated for a bunch of stuff Oh, right, but that was uh, not PC America, so... Uh, you know, yeah, you're right, that was like 30-something years it's so, ago. It, it's so PC, uh, I think it was like 40, I think it was in the 70s. Was it? Um, yeah, Maybe. I think so. Um, yeah, we're so, we're so uh, PC America now, so we can't do anything, you know? Uh, can't say anything about nothing, so... Well, all right, Mike, let's do it. Let's get into our ratings. Have you have you made up your mind? 76, 1976. 1976. So yeah, almost over 40 years ago was Taxi Driver. Yep. Yeah. And uh Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro in that one. Yeah, and Robert De Niro's in this one. Interesting. Well, and that was one, I mean, it's not like like horrible, but there were some actors in here that literally were just kind of like blips. Like Mark Maron, like Mark Maron is literally just on screen for like two seconds. And Mark Maron's kind of a big deal. I like Mark Maron a lot. I think I like him in Glow probably the best. His show's not bad, but I, I, I mean, you got this really great actor in there who's have on this huge comeback and he's in there for like two seconds, but he is next to Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro had more of a role and I kind of like how they did it, but I still don't think there was enough of him in this film. I wish there was a little bit more. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, Mike, have you decided how many reels you're going to give Joker? I I think I have. Yeah, I think I have. All right, you want me to go first or you want to go first? Um, I can go first. Okay, Mike. Go for it. How many reels do you give 2019's Joker? All right. So, I'm going to give this one 4 out of 5 reels. I really liked it. Wow, Michael. Wow. It was really good. Uh it's super dark, but it was it was just well done. Every everything about the movie was really good. Um I just wish there wasn't all this controversy cuz I guess it's it's kind of like press for it, free press. Um but it's uh I don't think it's deserved of the controversy, honestly. It's it's just a dark movie that happens to be tied to a comic and a guy who dyes his hair. I don't know. That's And dresses like a clown. I don't know. 
it just seems, you know, they're trying to be controversial for controversial sake with it kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, and I just, I hope it doesn't end up really hurting the film in the long run. Like, I don't want, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years from now, people going, oh man, that was absolute garbage and you should never watch that. No, I think this is a, uh, one of the best films of the year. I think this is a cinematic achievement for 2019. Yeah, it was good. That being said, it still is one of the darkest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's, you know, disturbing and it is not for everyone. I don't think everyone should go out and see this. If you're a huge fan of films and you can deal with the darkness, you can deal with the what violence there is in it. But it's more the mental illness thing for me overall. If you can really deal with that, because it's, I mean, it's depressing. It's really, really depressing, especially how he's treated. It's very, uh, it's, I don't know, man. It's just, it's rough. But I still love this movie. I loved it. I thought, I seriously do think it's one of the best movies of the year. I, For me, it's up there next to Endgame. So, Mike, I give it four and a half reels out of five. Wow. Wow. Cool. It was it was a really good movie. Um, yeah, I I don't know if there's going to be anything else that's going to top this in the next few months, but uh, I guess uh, we're about to get bombarded with all the uh, possible uh, nomination movies. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Award season is upon us. That's for sure. God, this movie, it's just, it's the complete package. It really is. I mean, the score, the acting, the cinematography, the writing. It's, it's the complete package. It really is. So, all right, Mike. Well, you know what? Speaking about horror and disturbing films, what uh, what are we going to be talking about coming up for our next podcast? Because uh, it's weird. It is the month of October. Now, granted, there are five weeks in October, but we're only going to do four of these guys. But uh, uh, what uh, what are we doing for our next podcast there, Mike? Oh, well, uh, Matt, we're going to be uh, starting our second annual uh, Harvest Horror Fest. And uh, what that is is... Uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, horror movies in general, and this is like the time of year to uh, see them all the time on TV, and Halloween's coming, and just do everything that's, uh, you know, about horror movies. And so uh, we're going to talk about our first one for this year, and, uh, you know, it's one that's about to hit its uh, 40th anniversary, so I thought it was appropriate, and we're going to talk about Alien. Nice. That'll be fun. But yeah, it's uh, October, man. October, Halloween. It is the time to celebrate horror films. And Aliens is a good one to kick off our month-long Harvest Horror Fest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, you know, it's it's one of my favorites. And, you know, it's surprising how well it still holds up, even though it was... Maiden, I think, uh, 1979, so. Yep, I just looked it up. All right, Mike, well, I think I'm good. 
I don't know if I have anything else I really want to add. Uh, I already said my piece about if you should go see it or not. If you can handle violence in the a dude basically being belittled for two hours and that has mental illness and not getting help and all this other stuff, it it's definitely, definitely, definitely a, a must-see in the theater. But if you don't think you can handle that kind of stuff or you don't want to handle that stuff or you don't want to expose yourself to it, that's fine. I, I don't blame you. It's uh it's a hard watch. It really it really is. So that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is hard to watch and uh it's it's definitely for someone who who can handle it cuz I guess it's not the violence so much. It's just the the diving into someone's mental health and and kind of their sanity and stuff and and what is the root of making someone insane or or just uh have mental problems and, and so yeah it's the uh it's how far you can push someone that has not even i mean maybe not even mental illness just it's how far you can push someone before they snap and he snaps freaking hard real hard so anyways i think that's it i think we're good all right. Well, I guess uh, with that, uh, we will let everyone go. Sorry for uh, running over a little bit, but we had to talk about the big movie of the, uh, with all the controversy and stuff. And then um, we will uh, catch you on our next pod. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Do not stop the podcast quite yet. I have a surprise for you. Here is my interview with Lisa Live and Local from Magic 99.1 where I sat down with her on the radio and talked about Joker. Enjoy. All right, Matt Hinshaw from Real Film Nerds Podcast in studio this morning on Magic 99.1. I was hoping that you saw Joker over the weekend. Oh, definitely. I wasn't going to miss it. Yeah, did it come out this past weekend? I've kind of been out of the country and out of sorts. Yeah, you've been out partying it up. I understand. (laughs) It came out on Thursday night, and I did go on Thursday night to our local Harkins. Okay. And I don't want to get too much into it but uh there was a lot of scares and social media going on and there was a large police presence there so really there was yep okay and they were just worried about well there was a lot of yeah there was a lot of rumors going around that there was going to be violence uh specifically shootings in a theater because the last film that came out um the Dark Knight Rises was when they had the shooting in the movie theater in 2012 in Colorado. Right. And so this being a Batman film as well, as well as dealing with a very dark subject, people started some rumors. And, you know, today you got to take every single rumor seriously. Yeah, you really do. You really do. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that they were there and nothing went wrong. Nope. Nope. Right. It was perfect. Okay. All I had right. no issues whatsoever. And like I said, I went on opening night and it was Fantastic. The crowd was a little mixed. I will admit, the crowd was a little mixed. Half the crowd really enjoyed it. Half the crowd was completely silent. Is that right? Because I've only heard good things from people that called in this morning. My daughter saw it uh, last night in Finland. She said it was great. So I haven't heard anything negative yet. How are the reviews? The reviews are very mixed as well. Critics love it. The general population, not so much. But the box office numbers tell you differently. Right. 
made almost $94 million, which is the biggest opening in the history of cinema for October. Isn't that amazing? Well, Joaquin Phoenix, I mean, if you're a fan of him, you'll see anything he does because he's pretty amazing. Now, was he that great in this movie? He makes this film for sure. He adds a whole nother level to it. He does. He's just, I love Joaquin Phoenix. My personal opinion, he is one of the best actors of our day, hands down. I agree, 100%. Absolutely. And they say that there's a spoiler alert at the end and people are giving it away online. I mean, of course, we're not going to get into that. But um, if you want to go see it, just stay away from that stuff. Yes, yes, yeah. And that's actually... I know what they're talking about, and that's actually the only little knock I had against the film. Really? You didn't think they should have done that? No. Okay. Not at all, but that's my opinion. (laughs) Right. Well, and I'll check that out. I'll see how I feel about it when I see it. Yeah. Um, Hopefully this weekend. Okay. So what else you want to mention about it? Well, I'll say this. It is probably one of the darkest, most disturbing films I've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Really? But it's not in the way you would think. People keep saying violence, violence, violence. It's not any more violent than Rambo. Rambo's probably worse. Okay. I think it's because this film is extremely realistic. Um, it deals with a subject matter that is very taboo. It deals with mental illness okay. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think people see it more realistic than things like Rambo or superhero movies and things like that. So that's why it's kind of disturbing to most people. That makes a lot of sense to me. All right. So out of five reels, how many do you give it? I give it four and a half. Four and a half. I loved it. Yeah. That's pretty now, high. I'll say it is not for everyone. If you aren't a huge fan of film, if you're not a huge fan of darker films, I mean, this is along the roads of, like, Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. You know, don't see it. You're not going to enjoy it. But okay. if if you're okay with it, definitely go hit it up. It's worth it. Okay, very good. And people can hear more on Joker on your podcast. Tell everybody where they can find it. Yeah, realfilmnerds.com. And for the month of October, we do an annual special event. It's called the Harvest Horror Fest. So in addition to one film that comes out in the theaters every week, we're doing a review of a classic horror film. Oh, which one are you doing this week? This week's is the original Alien from 1979. Oh, very good. Very good. Matt Hinshaw, thank you so much for coming in this morning. Thank you for having me on again, Lisa. I'm really getting a kick out of this. This is a lot of fun. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.